You're listening to Pastor Jesse Miller of City Lights Church. And so that's kind of the heart of where we're at last week and a little bit today. We're talking about the final thing in our worship, grow, serve, part of who we are in response to the love of Christ. How do we serve? Let's look at the why. Why do we serve? We're talking about how do we serve, why do we serve. First, we've got to start there. What does it mean? Like, why should I serve? We have to look at John chapter 13, though, for this. And I, I am warning you in preparation this week and in today going through this, I'm very emotional. I'm just telling you, God's done something in my heart recently, and I'm very emotional. And I apologize if I cry. It'll probably happen. Just warning. So anyway, John chapter 13, we're going to start in verse 1. Now before the Feast of Passovers, when Jesus knew that this hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. So let me, let me recap real quick. They're having the, the Passover, the Last Supper together. And Jesus knows all things and he's knowing that his time on the earth is done. He's sent here by the Father and he knows it's coming to the end. And he knows what's about to happen. And so he gets up from dinner. And here's what he says. And he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter who had said to him, Lord, do, not, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, do not wash my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. You are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for I am so. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash the feet of one another. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is no greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I, whom I have chosen. But the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. So Christ is our ultimate example of what we are supposed to be, who we are supposed to follow after. And Christ sits his disciples down after the meal. After he breaks bread with them, after he shares his heart, he sits them down and he washes their feet. And Peter, in his typical fashion, is like, no, I'm, I'm, you're, no you're too good for me. You're too good. And, and Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, you have nothing to do with me. And Peter's like, give me a whole bath. I just want the whole thing. And Jesus says, no, you don't need that. Why is this significant? What, what, is, this, what is this a big deal? Because 
your foot was disgusting. You did not wear Nike sneakers back then. I know some of you probably already know this, but I have to make it clear. You would walk dirty streets with cows and donkeys and animals, and there would be junk all over your feet. And so your foot was a disgusting part. It was offensive to show your foot. There was a lot of grossness in your feet. And the lowest thing that you could do to somebody, the, the most honoring thing, the most humbling thing that you could possibly do is to get down and wash their feet. And so Jesus takes those who are supposed to be looking at him as the rabbi, the one that they serve, and he says, I am serving you completely. I'm getting down on my knees and I'm serving you. What I love about this is that it wasn't just 11 disciples who had their feet washed. It was 12. Jesus knew that Judas is in the room. Jesus knew, it said, if you look at this passage, already having taken place in Judas's heart is betrayal. And Jesus looks at him and says, I'm going to wash your feet anyway. I wash your feet. Not all of you are clean in this room, but I'm going to wash all of your feet. Why, why do we have to serve our city? Why do we have to serve one another? Because Christ is our ultimate example. And if he is the creator, the master, our teacher, our rabbi, our everything, our savior, redeemer, if he washed his disciples' feet and then he said, you also do, that's the why. I don't need any other why. I don't need any other reason to serve and to love and to give all that I have because he said so and he did it himself. That's the why. So we have to ask ourselves, now who is the who? Who do we serve? Are there certain people that we shouldn't serve or certain people that we really, really need to serve? And the first thing I would say is, not really. The first people that that I want to point out to you that we need to serve is our enemy. The very betrayer of Christ, the very one who had deceit and corruption in his heart, Jesus washed his feet. He washed the feet of his enemy. He served and loved him. He humbled himself and showed the love of the Father to him despite his response later. He knew all things. So if the enemy, if, if our enemies are somebody that we have to serve, of course we have to serve our neighbor. We see in Scripture that we have to love our neighbor as ourselves. So that if we can love our enemy, our neighbor should be pretty easy, Right? If we can get through loving our enemy, then we can easily love our neighbor. The other, another thing that I want to show is how do we love is the church. We have to be people who love the church. We see this example in Acts where there is this constant, like, what's mine is yours. And we all share all things and we lift one another up. We love one another. We encourage one another. We don't hold offenses toward one another. So if Christ is our example of servanthood, and we can serve our enemies, we can serve our neighbors, we should be able to serve the people across the pew from us. We should be able to. Because we call them brothers. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are the same family. We should be able to do that. We should be able to get through a month without gossip. Amen? (laughs) Nothing. Quiet. (laughs) That was... Don't don't like that one. We should be able to get through the week without offending each other, without holding offense to silly little things. 
We should be able to be serving and pouring out. So when somebody has offended you, instead of offending them back and attacking them back, you show grace, you show love, you show humility, we show acts of kindness, we show gratitude, we show everything that's Christ and not anything that's flesh. And the final thing that I want to look at of, of who, the who is, of course, we have to help the hurting. There are hurting people all across the city. James chapter 2 says this, What good is it, brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. We are called to not just serve each other in humility. And last week we talked about a spirit of generosity, not just in giving, but also the way we see each other. I talked about prophetic words of declaration, calling out the goodness of God in each other's lives. Having that spirit of generosity that when that person annoys me, instead of saying, you really stink, or other words... We call out truth. We call out the grace of God in them. And we call them to what they're supposed to be in Christ. We're supposed to have the spirit of generosity. And we definitely should have it to the hurting and broken people in our city. There are hurting, broken people all around us. We're going to talk about that a little bit more here in a minute. So you say, okay, I understand I need to serve. I understand Jesus is our example. And that the love of Christ makes me serve. It propels me to serve. It propels me to sacrifice and live generously. And I understand who I should serve, but how do I serve? How, how does me? How do I do it? What does that look like? Some, I would say that some of you don't understand the value that you have and what you, the giftings in your life already are. And so you think that you can't serve. And you're afraid to try. I want to tell a few stories. And I didn't ask permission from my wife. That's my wife, so I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> when we first, some of you have probably already heard this story. And I'm going to try not to cry. Because it's, I'm, I'm just a, an emotional wreck right now. Um, when God called us to City Lights, one of our conversations after we left the meeting of all of us who were planning she was in tears, and she said, what do I have to give? She's like, what, what can I do? She's like, everybody in that room has been through training of some sort or Bible school or whatever, and I've not had any of that training. What can I do? If it wasn't for Ashley, <laughs> your kids would probably be in a ball pit downstairs just for the next hour right now. Like, just If it wasn't for Ashley, every I Heart Scranton event would have been Hey, let's uh, let's call Domino's and uh, somebody. Anybody have a pony? Like they would be bad. Like I can't tell. Jared would call my house or my number more to talk to Ashley about important things that the church needs to do more than he would talk, call me for. Like Ashley is the brains of this thing. Like I am the mouthpiece. She is the brains. Yeah, give her a round of applause. She deserves it. I wonder how many, how many of us, though, had that same heart that she had then. What can I do? I don't have training. I don't have any money. I don't have this. I don't have that. And we begin to limit ourselves. I know I'm supposed to serve, but I can't serve. And I would say you can serve. There is something, a gifting inside of you that you need to release, that you need to challenge yourself and just do. 
I would say you can serve the city in any possible way you can imagine. <laughs> Let me give it a, a, a silly, small example of servanthood that just happened to me this last week. Uh, one of the pastors that I, I was privileged to sit down with for a little bit is Pastor Dan Moeller. He's hugely influential in my life. Um, he actually, the day after we had that conversation, I was getting a license through my home church. And so me and my wife were up front and Pastor Dan was visiting. He didn't know any of this whole thing with Scranton. It was a secret, complete secret. And he came up to us and he, he was asked if he, he could pray for us. And he said, can I pray for Ashley instead? Of course. And he said, he said, you were called to a city to be a mother and God's more than equipped you. You are completely prepared for this. And we, we stood there weeping the whole time. It was, it was ridiculous. It was great, though. But Pastor Dan, I got to sit with him this last week. We went to, out to a little Italian place and had, had some lunch. And, of course, I'm wanting to pay for this. And, and so when the lady comes by, because I had already kind of said that I'm paying, and he had already said he's paying, and I'm like, I'll win this, you know. Um, that's what I thought. And so the lady came over, and... Um, because he said, hey, uh, we were done talking for a while, and he said, hey, hey, miss, uh, how do we pay here? Do we pay up front, or do you bring something? She's like, I can, we can do whatever, and so as soon as he's talking this, I pull up my wallet, I give her the card, and she, like, goes to grab it, and he's like, no, 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 I got this. I don't want to get this. He's like, no, he's like, I need to get this. He's like, I wanted to bless you, but I really felt God tell me to bless her, and he looked at her, and he said, he said, he said, God sees your heart. God sees that you have been working really hard and you've been trying, that you are really trying and you are doing a fantastic job. You're doing a wonderful job. And she starts to get a little emotional. And she's like this. And he said, and God's told me to give you a tip of $50. And at that point, she put her hand like this and began to weep. This is real life, people. This is, this is how we serve. He said, God told me to give you 50 bucks and say it's yours and he sees your heart. And she starts to weep. And she said, after she pulled herself together, she said, all day I've been running around thinking I'm doing a horrible job. The table that was behind you left because I couldn't get to them quick enough. We didn't, he said, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. None of us saw it. She said, all day I've been thinking I'm doing a horrible job. And this, is, this, this has just been a mess. And she's like, I don't even know what to do. And he, he's like, can I just pray with you? He's like, God sees your heart. God told me to give it because of that. And I didn't even know about that. And so he took her hand. It was, it was a crazy little moment in an Italian restaurant. He took her hand. We're sitting at the table, and she's standing there. And he holds her hand and gets real close to it. And he prays blessing over her and encourages her and tells her the gospel in his prayer. Take care of all that. We, we get ready to go out the door. And she comes running from around the counter. And she said, can I can I please give you a hug? She said, today has been the best day of any day of my life except for when my child was born. She's like, thank you so much. Please come back and see me again. That was simple. That was simple. He heard God say, give her something. He had no idea of the situation and encouraged her. It was a simple encouragement and financial giving. And it changed her worldview. It changed her moment. Does that make sense? That's, that's just another example. I want to read this because at City Lights, there's something happening in our hearts. There's something happening. I told you it'd be a rough one for me today. I told you. I warned you. But um, our guys, Will and Bob, um, they're, we'll talk about that later. Anyway, 
we, we've been reading this book together, and uh, we're reading it, and we're just getting rocked because it feels like a prophetic word of what's happening in our hearts and in this church at the same time. It's kind of crazy. It's like this guy who wrote this book a long time ago knew what, not a long time ago, but like a year ago, knew what we'd be going through today. And here's what I want you to see. He's talking about his church. Our target slowly changed from simply serving the local church to serving our city in a way that it would benefit it, independent of the growth of the church. Actually, there was never a time when we did not want to touch our city. It has always been a priority, but this time it was different. We wanted people touched by God where they were instead of having to come to our church to benefit from what we have to offer. We just changed the way we measure our success as a church. Our measure changed from increased attendance on Sunday to the transformed attitude and value system of our city. Kingdom culture works outside of our congregational services quite well, and it is essentially what everyone longs for. This city... This city is longing for us. We talked this whole series, what are you searching for? This whole city is searching for us to demonstrate the kingdom principles to the city. They are crying out for us to be the kingdom of God outside of these four walls. That's what's happening at City Lights. That's the transformed mentality that's beginning to take place in my heart and in people across this room. I, I've had so many conversations with our elders meeting and, and the guys in the house and the other leaders. God's doing something in our, heart, in our hearts where we're not looking at how do we build this anymore? How do we, how do we build that? How do we tra- change that into the kingdom of God? One of the things I talked about earlier is celebrate your recovery. Mike and Sarah came to me and said, I have this in my heart. Can we do this? Can we take what we've been through and can we reach the broken people of the city, including our church? Can we reach them? And I, I said, yes. <laughs> like we have to begin. I, I never wanted to be a, a program church. And I'm not saying we're adding more programs. But we have to do things that reaches people who wouldn't come to this building. We have to be missional. God is a missional God, and we have to be a missional people. We have to be. We have to be a servant people. And so one of the ways that we're going to do that is through Celebrate Recovery. Another thing that I can't really get into all the details about right now that's in my heart, and I don't know how it's going to play out, is that if you haven't noticed, that bank next door is empty. <laughs> they closed down. There's a vision. Some people are shocked right now. <laughs> what? <laughs> I can't deposit my money there? <laughs> that bank's empty. I want that. I want it. There's a vision for it, and it's not to serve city lights. It's to serve the city, to serve broken, broken, specifically broken women. I can't get into a lot of the details right now, but God's all, all of a sudden I'm seeing confirming words popping up, and so now we're just claiming the building. We need the building, so pray for the building, people. We need that building. Because I don't want to be a church that just does City Lights' routine. I want to be a, a church that's trying new things, venturing out, and, and trying to reach broken people. That is the new heart of City Lights. That's where we're going. It's still always been the same vision to see the people of Northeast PA find their ultimate joy in Christ through the teaching of the Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's still there, but now we have to actually reach Northeast PA. We have to do it. There's something changing in us. If the worship team could come forward. So we talked about we talked about the why, we talked about the who, we talked about the how. And the final thing that we have to speak on this morning 
we have to speak on the cost. Mission comes with a cost. It's going to cost us something. The same way it cost my, my pastor friend 50 bucks. It's going to cost us something to be on mission, to be a, a servant. One thing it's going to cost us is our pride. What if I look silly when I pray for that person publicly? What if, I, what if I'm wrong when I feel like I have a prophetic word for them? What, what, if I, what if everybody looks at me? What if whatever? Serving often costs us our pride. But I love that the creator of heaven and earth, that God himself in the form of Christ came and Jesus humbled himself. And he washed the disciples' feet. The second thing it's going to cost us is our money. Sometimes it does cost money, like I had said earlier. We have a small video. I just want you to see this because it, it, you might have seen this. It's been around the internet here recently. And when I saw it, I literally was about to cry. <laughs> it's, it's happening a lot to me. If we could play that video, Kendra, if you have it. So I just feel the need to share this with everybody. So, um, I work for a pizza place, obviously, pretty much all of you know this, and, um, we don't open until 12 o'clock today, but I was asked to come in a little bit early for a delivery, so, um, you know, I, I came in, and, uh, right as I got in, they, we loaded up my car with the food, and I took it, and then, uh, when I got to this delivery, it's to this church, They came out to my car and they're like, uh, take one pizza out of the seven or eight pizzas that they ordered and they're like, bring it up to the pastor on, on stage. And I was, I was like all like weirded out, like why, like this is so weird. And um, you know, the most amazing thing happened, you know, this whole church came up and gave me over $700 for a tip. It's just truly amazing. You know, I've having such a, a hard time lately just struggling to stay clean and everything and I'm just trying to get my life back and it just really truly just amazes me that people that don't even know me just wanted to help me out that much Blessed. There's a church that just gave a guy, they didn't know he was struggling to stay clean. They just gave a random pizza guy because they felt like God said so. 700 bucks. What, what if we were willing to give money? What if we were willing to help people when God quickened our hearts? When God spoke in our hearts? It's going to take, it's going to cost us time. Our days are very limited, we, so we hold time very precious. But what is the span of our life for? 
Adam was put here to rule on the earth, to enjoy God, but to govern on behalf of God, to demonstrate the kingdom. That was the intent of man, to manifest the kingdom of heaven on the earth. That, that job and responsibility hasn't changed. Sin's broken us, we get distracted, but our purpose for this earth, the purpose to be here is to enjoy it, subdue it, and manifest the kingdom everywhere. Your limited life is not measured by what you build up for yourself, but by how you manifest the kingdom of God here, now, in your span of days. That's the wealth, that's, that's the weight of your days. That's what time is all about. How do you manifest him? How do you demonstrate the kingdom? It's going to cost you patience. If you've ever worked with people, it takes patience. Most lives are not transformed overnight. It rarely, rarely happens. Sorry. <laughs> Lives take investment of time and patience. I worked in the mental health field for six years. I know it takes patience. If you have that friend who you've been walking through a journey and they keep falling back into addiction, it takes patience. If you have a lifelong Christian that is a brother, but they keep falling back in the same sin, it takes patience. That You have that one friend that you love and, and you... They get, they get it, but they keep forgetting their identity in Christ. It takes patience. It's going to cost you something to be the kingdom, to serve one another. It's going to cost you your life. Maybe not physically, but some people it actually takes their physical life to serve him, to love him, to demonstrate the kingdom. But all of us have to sacrifice the dreams of our flesh and take on the dreams of the kingdom get rid of what we plan for our days and take on what he's planned for our days to serve and to be like him you have to sacrifice your life you have to so this morning I ask what are you searching for what are you searching for because if you found the life of Christ in Christ then you found that void but now some of you have been searching for what your, your purpose is you found the thing that gives you joy, but what gives you purpose? And the purpose of Christ is to be on mission. It's to be on mission. Whatever career you're in, that doesn't matter. You're to be on mission and to serve. That's where you will find joy. That's the thing we can stop looking for once we do it. We are ambassadors of the kingdom of God on the earth. Jesus tells us as disciples, as believers, to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's through us and through him. It's a both thing. We demonstrate his purpose. Until this world, until Scranton looks like heaven, we still have a pretty big job to do, right? I've seen the streets of Scranton. They're not paved in gold. They're not even paved. They're rough. We have to manifest the kingdom. This morning, the world's looking for us to show them Christ. This morning, I want to do something very different. I wasn't planning on this till this morning. Kenny, if you can come up and sit here, please. Go ahead and take your shoes and socks off. <laughs> I, um, I wasn't going to do this. I was just like ready to just preach it. But if we don't demonstrate it, then we missed part of that whole passage. He tells us to do it. He tells us to serve. And, and Kenny has 
he was here from day one of the church plant. He was 18, 17, 18, 18 at the time, and a kid. <laughs> and we were all kids, though. I was 25, so, you know. And um, I've, I've seen in Kenny such an amazing growth and a humble heart to just take whatever I would say to him and follow me. And I really do love that in Kenny. And this morning, as we worship, as we sing about the good, goodness of our God and Father, I want to love and, and wash his feet. I want to show that to him, that I really do value him. And I don't want it to be just words. I want it to be action. I want us to demonstrate that to each other. But this morning, I want to demonstrate to Kenny. He's led us in worship, and he's taken us to a new place in worship because of his humble and, and receiving heart. And I want to I honor that this morning. So let's stand. Let's worship. Let's just love on God.